well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be spending some time with Representative Andrew Clyde of Georgia here in just a moment. Had the opportunity to speak with the uh, congressman uh, on, what is today, Tuesday, Monday afternoon. Uh, about the revelations, you know, he said on Friday that uh, House leadership had reached out to him uh, before the dead ceiling vote and said, hey, listen, you know, that uh, resolution you got about the ATF pistol brace rule. Boy, it'd be a shame if that got uh, tied up simply because, you know, you voted no on the dead ceiling agreement, which is, by the way, what happened. The representative Clyde did vote no and the resolution on the pistol brace rule has not yet received a vote on the House floor. But uh, we do have. Some new details to give you, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But before we do, you know when you make choices about where to put your hard-earned dollars, you are supporting not only the company that made the product, but the values and the principles that the organization holds dear, right? It's easier to flip a switch against a company when they blatantly conflict with your values. But do you make an effort to do business with the companies that support what you believe when you can? Well, if so, do yourself a favor and give my friends at Defender Ammunition a shot. These guys are veteran-owned and operated. Every person on their staff is military-connected. They are huge supporters of our military community, backing causes that are actually making a difference in the lives of those that have served. In fact, the profits from all of Defender Ammunition's logoed gear goes directly to the charities that they support. This company is one to back. Their ammo, top-notch, customer service, fantastic. What other shipping department writes handwritten thank-you notes to their customers? Give my friends at Defender Ammunition a try. Uh, just check out Defender Ammunition at DefenderAmmunition.com. Once you give these guys a shot, I promise you won't be going anywhere else. Again, check them out at DefenderAmmunition.com. So let's get to our conversation with Representative uh, Andrew Clyde of Georgia talking about the pistol brace rule and uh, new life, perhaps, for this uh, resolution that could undo the ATF's new rule. Take a look and a listen. Representative Andrew Clyde from the great state of Georgia, thank you so much, sir, for joining us here on Cam and Company. Appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Cam. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So I've got to ask first, um, what has happened since Friday when uh, you publicly talked about the you know pressure that you received from leadership to, uh, to go along with the uh, vote on the debt ceiling in exchange for a vote on your uh, resolution about pistol braces? Well, I will tell you that um, I think the world lit up, <laughs> as it should, actually. And, Absolutely. Uh, because this is a God-given natural right uh, that is not to be held hostage by uh, you know petty politics here in Washington, D.C. And uh, so, you know, I told the story the way it happened. And um, it uh, it resonated well with the, the, the 2A community, as it should. And um, I think a Republican leadership heard loud and clear from um, the Second Amendment community. And as a result, I've had numerous calls from leadership. And there is a potential uh, for this bill to come to the floor next week. Um, in fact, we may have a, um, a statement on that on Thursday, I believe. Um, but, you know, um, it's not a guarantee, not yet. And um, so I think that uh, we need to maintain the pressure because this bill uh, is so vitally important to maintaining our constitutional rights. You know, this is not this bill is just uh, so far above any individual member of Congress. 
or a multitude of members of Congress. This is for the American people. This is for the three to 40 million who own pistol braces, whose Second Amendment rights are being trampled on by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, who think they can legislate from the executive branch. Well, absolutely. And, you know, listen, I, I, Congressman, I wish that every one of your colleagues really cared deeply about the American people, but um, I'm not naive enough to believe that that's the case. But even from a selfish perspective, if you are a sitting member of Congress, you were elected to do a job, and now you've got a government agency, an executive branch agency, this is never mind, you know what, we're going to do your job for you. Now, again, maybe some of your colleagues are okay with that, right? The less work they have to do, the more time they can uh, spend on social media uh, or, uh, you know, uh, hanging around with the big dollar donors. I don't know. Uh, But as a voter, uh, I can tell you that I want my representative to do their damn job when they're in D.C., Uh, And so I do hope that you and your colleagues have a chance to vote on this resolution. Can you talk about what specifically uh, H.A. Res. 44 would do here? Uh, Sure, Cam. Um, And this is why this particular bill is so very important. You know, when ATF came out with their rule back in January, January 31st, that basically said that uh, if you own a pistol and it has a stabilizing brace on it, then you now own a short barrel rifle, an unregistered short barrel rifle, And as we all know, uh, according to the National Farms Act of 1934, all short-barreled rifles have to be registered or they are considered contraband and must either be seized or destroyed. Or uh, And if you are caught with contraband, then you could get uh, 10 years in jail and a $250,000 fine and never be able to own a firearm again in your life because you will now be a felon. So that is why this particular bill is so critical because... Uh, according to the Congressional Review Act, which is what this bill is filed under, it would strike down ATF's rule, ATF's unconstitutional rule, uh, and it would then eliminate this threat from millions of American citizens who literally on June 1st became felons overnight. Uh, and many of them don't even know it. You know, not, Cam, not everybody follows, you know, the mainstream news outlets and and a lot of them have no idea about this pistol brace rule and no, the I, fact that they could be a felon now. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, but again, you know, for the, the, the fact that for the past decade, the ATF has said you're not a felon, right? As long as you're using the stabilizing brace as you're supposed to, you're, you're not a felon. That's not a short barrel rifle. Uh, and then they came out with this, you know, new rule that says the complete opposite. Steve Dettelbach testifies before Congress and says, well, as far as I know, all you have to do is remove the brace. The ATF comes out a couple weeks later and says, no, 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 uh, you can't just remove it. you got to destroy it. you got to permanently disable it. Uh, and again, if you have a brace and you've got a pistol that it could be attached to, uh, well, guess what? You've got yourself a short barrel rifle. And as you say, you've got a, a felony charge and a, a decade in federal prison hanging over your head. Um, you know, your resolution already has, uh, uh, the last time I checked, 188 co-sponsors. H- have you seen some uh, some additional uh, members of Congress who have said, listen, I want to I want to sign on to this since uh, you came out and talked about what happened uh, on Friday. Yes, we've had a, a number of additional co-sponsors that want to want to come out and, and actually be on it. Uh, the rules of the House say, though, that once you have a bill um, that is reported out of committee and uh, at that point, then the number of co-sponsors are are uh, limit are sealed. And so uh, we've had numerous members say, hey, I want to be on that, but they really don't have the opportunity to. They can still vote for it, and they certainly will. All right. Um, But I think we're pretty well capped. I think it's 190 
uh, co-sponsors okay. right now. But, um, you know, the other thing that is so critical about this piece of legislation is, you know, in all 50 states, we can own pistols. But not at, but we can't own short-barreled rifles in all 50 states. There are six states plus the city of Washington, D.C., wherein you cannot physically own a short-barreled rifle. So if ATF does what they are going or trying to do with this rule and they redefine a definition and add a pistol with a brace to a short-barreled rifle, then in those six states in the city of D.C., then they are prohibited. You can't even register your your pistol with a brace in those in those states and in that in in DC, you are prohibited from having it. Period. So think about all of the Americans with disabilities. Think about all the service disabled veterans. Think about all the people that really need that brace to be able to use their their pistol uh, more effectively and more you know to enjoy it more on the range. They're being denied. Their constitutional rights are being trampled upon. They're completely being eviscerated by this rule in those six states and in the, in the city of Washington, D.C. And that's what our ATF wants to do to our veterans, to our service disabled veterans, you know, to those Americans with disabilities that can't that can't enjoy their, you know, their height, their larger caliber pistols without this brace. Uh, no, Congress, the job of Congress, the job of our government, according to our Declaration of Independence, is to protect and preserve those rights, especially those that are God-given natural rights, like the Second Amendment. So, you know, that's why this is so critically important that the House Republicans bring this bill to the floor and we get an affirmative vote and send it to the Senate. Absolutely. Apologies, by the way, my uh, my rooster it loves to hang out right outside my office door every time I'm doing an interview. So uh, Mr. Crow doesn't get the FaceTime, but boy, he sure loves hanging out with the celebrity. So apologies for that. Um, you know, and listen, and as you say, this will go to the Senate where obviously prospects are a little more murky. Right. Given the Democratic majority, uh, this would uh, if it passes the Senate, would go to Joe Biden, who uh, I got to tell you, Representative Clyde. I have a sneaky suspicion that he would uh, whip out his veto pen on this one. But we do need to get, I think, every member of Congress on record here. Because, again, what you're talking about uh, and what you just described is a situation that I believe shows an administration that is out of control, that is weaponizing the ATF uh, against American gun owners, trying to turn people who are responsible gun owners into criminals uh, simply by changing the rules under which we all operate. Uh, and, you know, we've had a, a, a multiple injunctions in place uh, for members of the Farms Policy Coalition, Second Amendment Foundation, Gun Owners of America, uh, which is an indication that the federal judiciary already takes a dim view of this. Uh, but uh, again, I'm in full agreement. Congress needs to step up. They need to condemn this action as well. So you said we should keep up the pressure. Should, who should we be contacting? Should uh, like Representative Bob Good is, is my representative. I have a feeling that uh, Representative Good's going to, you know, vote in favor of this resolution. Where is a where where should we be directing our attention right now? To should we be keeping up the pressure on House leadership specifically? Specifically on House leadership, I can guarantee you that Bob Good is a yes vote on this. <laughs> He's an original co-sponsor as well, an incredible member of Congress. Um, All right, but if Bob understands this. He understands. He, he gets it completely, and um, and is completely for it. But start at leadership. Start at leadership, and start at the very top, and work your way down. That's what I recommend. That that's where we need to apply the pressure. But um, uh, you know, 
like you said, the Senate is a little more murky on this, which is why it's so important that the House go first. Because we in the House, we have the majority. We should be able to pass it with a simple majority. But I also know because of my um, connections and because of, of some of the speaking of the, of the conversations I've had with the, some Democrats, I know of at least one Democrat who's committed in the House to voting for it. We might actually have two or three, maybe four the Democrats. So this, we could send this bill to the Senate as a bipartisan bill. That would give the murky Senate, as you talk, as you say, a um, a stronger hand. I mean, could you imagine if if all the Republicans in the Senate don't pass it, don't vote for it, then do you think any Democrats there are going to say, "Well, hey, all your Republicans didn't even vote for this. Why are we? Why are you asking? You know, at least two Democrats to because we've got a forty nine fifty one Senate here." And at least two Democrats have to vote for this bill for it to pass in the Senate. So if all the Republicans don't vote for it, then how, how can we expect any of the Democrats to vote for it? But if we in the House pass it as a bipartisan bill, then that gives tremendous you know, encouragement and cover for Senate Democrats to, to sign on to this bill and for every Senate Republican to vote for this bill as well. So which is why I think it's so absolutely important that the House go first and then the Senate follow the House. That's just, I mean, that's to do it the other way around to have the Senate go first, in my opinion, is a recipe for failure. And this is why we cannot fail on this. We, you know, though Joe Biden, like you said, with the veto pen, he may actually veto this. But I think what is more important is that the House and the Senate both pass it. And it sends an incredibly strong message to the court system that the that Congress is not in favor of what the executive branch is doing. You know, the president's ahead of the executive branch. He could shut down the ATF tomorrow or today if he wanted to, but he's not going to do that. But Congress is the one who legislates, not the executive branch, which is, again, why we need to pass this in the House and the Senate in that order so that the court gets the message that this is the will of Congress. Well, listen, uh, Representative Clyde, we're going to continue to cover this. I know you said uh, maybe later this week you guys will have some uh, some news to announce. I, I would encourage gun owners to uh, keep up the pressure. You know, be polite, be civil, but, um, yes. you know, yes. make make your opinion known. Uh, you want to vote on uh, H.J. Res. 44. Um, if this bill gets scheduled, can can we can we schedule you for a follow up interview to talk about Absolutely. this again? Love to be on, Cam. Love to be on, and and I love the number too, forty four. It's a great caliber. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, Representative Clyde. Thank you as always, sir, for your time. Really appreciate it, and of course, all your work there in Washington D.C. And look forward to doing this again very soon. Thank you, Cam. Well, I do appreciate Representative Clyde joining us on the program, and I am looking forward to having him back again here very soon. Hopefully, with uh, good news to report about uh, H. J Res 44. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case out of Chicago. Website CWB Chicago reporting on a man who sexually assaulted a woman at a Chicago Transit Authority uh, station three days after being paroled for his 10th felony. Yeah. I think we have a problem with the uh, revolving door of justice in Cook County. I think so. Anthony Richardson, accused by prosecutors of sexually assaulting a woman who passed out from drug use inside an elevator at the uh, Red Line station. Uh, prosecutors said during a bond hearing Monday afternoon, 
The 46-year-old Richardson arrived at the Stateville Correctional Center in Joliet last Wednesday, according to CWB Chicago, after receiving an 18-month sentence for felony retail theft. But after receiving various credits, he walked out of prison the very same day. That's right, 18 months, less than 24 hours. Same thing, right? Well, on Saturday, Chicago police arrested him in River North after CTA workers found him allegedly sexually assaulting an unconscious woman inside that elevator. According to CWB Chicago, surveillance video from the scene shows the 55-year-old woman smoking an unspecified narcotic and then passing out. Richards uh, then entered the elevator, found the woman who we didn't know, passed out on the floor. Uh, rather than try to revive her, prosecutors say he lowered his pants, climbed onto the woman, and then sexually assaulted her. A Chicago Transit Authority employee entered the elevator about 10 minutes later. Richardson's still there with his pants down, holding the woman's head and making, quote, thrusting motions. According to prosecutors, the uh, employee summoned a co-worker who also witnessed the assault in progress after he spotted the uh, two CTA employees. By the way, apparently we're just watching. Maybe, you know, just uh, wanted to get a good look at the suspect, but not intervening. Richardson released the woman. Her body fell limp to the floor. Chicago police able to arrest him nearby, and both CTA workers confirmed that he was, in fact, the assailant. Now, according to CWB Chicago, in addition to the felony retail theft charge, for which he got 18 months that turned into less than a day behind bars, Richardson's felony convictions include robbery three years ago in 2020. Uh, the other nine are for narcotics and retail theft. Um, Richardson allegedly admitted to assaulting the woman, but his uh, public defender, Argue that he has a learning disability, may not have understood the Miranda warning that he was given by authorities. She said he's been homeless for three years since losing a warehouse job due to COVID. Prosecutors have now charged him with criminal sexual assault as well as misdemeanor public indecency. Um, again, 10-time felon. Again, vast majority of those cases for nonviolent felonies, to be sure. But still, 10 separate felony cases. And yet still when it is abundantly clear that Mr. Richardson has a lot of trouble obeying the uh, rules and laws of society, the Cook County criminal justice system still cut him a break and returned to the streets, again, less than 24 hours into an 18-month prison sentence, or what was supposed to be an 18-month prison sentence. Now, today's Armed Citizen story comes to us from Memphis, Tennessee. And I wrote about this in Barry and Arby's yesterday, but I got to talk about this, too. Uh, what's going on in uh, Shelby County? So, you know, recently we had this guy who shot at car thieves, who shot at him. And yet the armed citizen was arrested, accused of uh, reckless endangerment, basically, uh, for firing back at car thieves. Now, in this case, you've got two guys who fired back after a car thief shot at them. They haven't been arrested in Shelby County, but their apartment is trying to uh, evict them from their homes because they acted in self-defense. Yeah, this is truly, truly disturbing here. Uh, you got two guys who uh, basically woke up to the sound of a car being broken into. Uh, Terrence Montgomery said his neighbor called him uh, back on May 22nd, early, early morning, and said he had noticed on his, uh, I guess, doorbell cam that someone was trying to steal his girlfriend's car again. Montgomery said that the vehicle had already been stolen once before, but had been recovered. So he put on some flip-flops, ran outside, had his firearm with him for protection. He said, they opened fire, shooting out my neighbor's window. I shot back two or three times. Cedric Verner is the neighbor whose window was shot out. He said the uh, shots almost killed his kids by inches while they were lying in bed asleep. He said, I grabbed my gun and I returned fire. 
The pair then said they received a letter in the mail notifying them that they had three days to vacate the premises. Yeah. Um, Werner says he tried to reach out to uh, Avery Park, which is the leasing company. They said, uh, he said the two men being blamed. Uh, he said he was told by someone in the office that, quote, he can't stop anyone from coming onto the premises and trying to steal anything. Well, to be fair, it doesn't sound like that is quite what happened. Maybe Montgomery tried to uh, stop that car from being stolen. But the shots were fired in self-defense. The shots weren't fired to try to stop car thieves. The shots were fired to try to stop car thieves who were shooting at people. And again, neither of these individuals has been charged with a crime. Now, for I got to be honest with you, I would not live in a place that told me I don't have the right to protect my property. I don't have the, uh, if somebody comes onto the uh, property, I just got to stand idly by while they steal my stuff. Uh, that seems a little weird, too. Well, again, what about the security that the uh, leasing agency is supposed to provide then in those circumstances? Doesn't sound like there's much of any. But again, this isn't about defense of property. This is about defense of life. And these two individuals were acting to protect themselves and their family when they returned fire against these car thieves. And Fox 13 in Memphis says they reached out to Avery Park, the leasing company, but uh, did not return a call seeking comment. Uh, now the two men are planning on fighting the eviction. Uh, they are not leaving after three days, so Avery Park's going to have to take them to a General Sessions civil court, and a judge is going to have to sign off on the uh, eviction notice. Montgomery says, we're the victim, but some type of way we're getting evicted? What are we supposed to do? I guess you're just supposed to stand there and be shot at, according to Avery Park. Or again, better yet, never leave your home. If you hear the sound of glass breaking in the middle of the night, just hunker down, stay inside, don't look. Don't, you might not like what you see, and you might get the idea that you should go out there and uh, confront those individuals with a, a gun for self-protection, and then God knows what could happen. They could fire at you, and you could fire back, and uh, therefore you're being reckless and you got to go. Again, this isn't a criminal case. No charges have been filed by the uh, Shelby County Police or Memphis Police uh, against uh, either of these two individuals. This is a case of a property management company trying to punish people for acting in self-defense. At least that's what it looks like to me. We'll keep our eyes open for any details about uh, Cedric Verner and Terrence Montgomery's case there in the uh, rally neighborhood of Memphis, Tennessee. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A, a good Samaritan who stepped into the scene of a horrific car crash back in January and helped save the life of a, a teenager in Janesville, Wisconsin. Uh, that teenager recently able to walk across the stage at graduation. Again, thanks to this uh, good Samaritan being in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Which, by the way, was what Daniel Marshall was trying to do, too. He's the uh, teenager in question. It was New Year's Eve. Uh, he got a call from a buddy who said that he had had too much to drink. Daniel was stone-cold sober. But it was snowy outside. It's Wisconsin. It's, you know, December 31st. He managed to get his friend and get his friend home safely. But as Daniel's driving back home, he lost control of his truck and uh, crashed. It was bad. Uh, the uh, Here's a picture of the uh, the wreck from the uh, local sheriff's department. You can see, I mean, that that's one messed up vehicle right there. About the same time that Daniel Marshall had his accident, 
a guy named uh, David Rezin and his wife were driving home, heading the opposite direction. They saw Daniel's car slide into their lane and strike the vehicle in front of them. Rezin said he went from his lane into our lane in a second at the time my wife screamed, oh my gosh, we're dead, we're dead. Now, Rezin managed to avoid the accident. He pulled over, raced to the mangled truck to see how he could help Daniel. He said it was a horrific scene. Daniel's passenger seat was at 90 degrees. Daniel was slumped over. Both his windows were blown out. He said, I checked for a pulse. He had a very light pulse. As it happens, David Rezin has a background in musculoskeletal and orthopedic care. So he was able to open Daniel's airway, stabilize his spine. Gas is leaking into the truck in the meanwhile, by the way. Uh, and uh, then soon firefighter paramedics and the Rock County uh, Sheriff's deputies arrived. He said, well, they were performing the jaws of life. I continued to hold Daniel's neck. I had one arm through the back window, one arm through his window. Luckily, got all of them stabilized. He said it didn't look good for that first 24 hours, even more after that. Um, it was a long road to recovery. Daniel's dad, John, said there were 12 days. We didn't really know what would happen. There were numerous times I wondered if he would have a life or what kind of life. But eventually, Daniel recovered. Well, is recovering. It has been a long road to recovery. But he is out of the hospital. He is living, breathing. And again, just a couple days ago, he got a chance to graduate and to uh, reunite with uh, David Rezin for the first time in several months. When uh, Daniel's dad, John, was asked what it would mean to see him walk across the stage and receive his diploma, he said it'd be wonderful to be able to watch him and watch the progress that he's made all along has been super. So uh, Daniel Marshall is now a high school graduate, getting ready to be a college freshman at the University of Milwaukee, plans on studying architecture. And again, might not be here were it not for the quick thinking and fast action of uh, David Rezin on that New Year's Eve night there in Jamesville, Wisconsin. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. David Rezin, we thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. But I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I'm looking forward to seeing you again here on Wednesday's program. Don't forget as well, on Wednesday, I do my weekly VIP Gold live chat with Hot Airs Ed Morrissey. It is always a good time. We love taking your uh, two-way questions. And, you know, if you're a VIP Gold member... You can take part. All you have to do, go to barrierandarms.com slash subscribe and become a VIP or VIP Gold member. Not only will you get exclusive content, as our way of saying thanks for showing your support, but you'll get that warm, fuzzy feeling of, again, knowing that you are helping to support the independent pro segment of journalism we do at Barry and Arms, and we do thank you for that very much. Have a great rest of your 2A Tuesday, wherever it may take you. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe and be free.